Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello and welcome back again, everybody. My name's Braden Hayes and I am your host. I um, had gotten, just with the busyness of life and everything, I'd gotten a little bit behind on some of the news podcasts that I like to listen to just to kind of keep me up to speed on what's going on in the world. And this little catch-up brought a surprising number of interesting news pieces that all kind of paint a very uncertain picture. So just to kind of lay it out, um, you know, during this catch-up, there was a lot of conversation about artificial intelligence and not the Skynet type of intelligence that's going to take over the world and see humanity as the great scourge and wipe us all off the face of the earth, but even just some of the things that they're talking about how, you know, already... Google's search engines have become so good that people very rarely will scroll beyond the first hit, the very first thing that shows up um, in the search results and how that's only going to get better with time. And many artificial intelligence and search engine experts believe that the time will come very quickly where you will ask a question and you will only get one answer. They'll be able to perfectly predict what you need based on uh, the profile that has been created for you, what the artificial intelligence knows about your search habits, your preferences, what you've clicked before. It will create such a good model of you. It will know you better than you know yourself, so much so that it will give you exactly the answer that you're looking for the first time, and there will be no other options to look for. You get one answer, and that's it and it'll perfectly satisfy you. That's kind of what they're predicting just in the area of search engines. And then I heard about this concept of deep fakes. And I know that this has probably been around for a while. Many of you have probably already heard of this, but the um, computer animation and the ability to doctor photos and videos, the ability of artificial intelligence to analyze the voices of um, popular, or really of anybody, right? But more more especially of presidents and people who have a lot of um, audio data out there for an artificial intelligence to analyze. They can analyze that person's voice speaking um, just with publicly available stuff that's out there and be able to generate content that sounds almost like that person is the one who's talking. It's getting really good at imitating voice inflection and taking all those clips, um, those audio clips, and synthesizing them in a way that sounds very realistic to the point that you you can go in and you can type in what you want that person to say, and that person will say it exactly as you type it. Not only that, but this deep fake technology is getting so good that it's not expected to be too far in the future where you'll be able to, that uh, people will be able to generate video content that looks and is indistinguishable from reality. So you could have somebody deep fake the president of the United States giving a speech 
And to the naked eye, and even to some pretty sophisticated computer analysis, it's going to be very, very hard, if not impossible, for the common person to detect that that's a fake, because it will look and sound so good. We've got a a news media that you can't trust, that is incredibly biased. Everyone has an agenda that they're trying to push, or a, a favored political party that they're trying to prop up. Um, you know, there was news that came out uh, of this reporter who, using one source, had outlined how the CIA was actually the one who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Now, there's a lot of, that's come out since then that would indicate that that probably is not the case. But then who did? Um, you know, just the past few years with conflicting information around COVID, you know, all these studies up until COVID that talked about how these fabric masks really had no impact on the transmissibility of pathogens. But then you've got the CDC stating very strongly that if uh, you're putting people in danger, if you don't wear masks, um, we've got this war going on in Ukraine. And on one hand, we know that Ukraine is an incredibly corrupt country. But at the same time, the, the people of Ukraine seem to be showing a remarkable fighting spirit and a desire to fight to preserve their freedoms and to protect their country, which is admirable. So is our involvement there good or is it bad? Is this helping keep a bad actor at bay? Or um, are we, you know, just picking sides between two bad guys? Are the, you know, are the photo ops and the videos and the social media posts that President Zelensky over there is putting out, is that the real story or um, is that just showmanship? How do we draw the line between loving people in a Christ-like manner and condoning sinful behavior, which is something that he never did, by the way, but we're led to believe that if um, we don't condone those who want to destroy and undermine marriage and the family, if we don't acknowledge that somebody is the opposite gender when they're clearly not, and when that is scientifically impossible, that we're somehow um, not loving them. Well, is that true? There's a whole lot of economic uncertainty out there. Is this the end or will there be some kind of a recovery? How do I prepare to feed myself when major banks are throwing around in their annual and quarterly reports words like devastating and hyperinflation to describe our economic future? How do I stand up for what's right despite fear that I will be targeted by corporations government, and banks for expressing an out-of-favor opinion. With all of this uncertainty, and this is just a short list that I was able to come up with in the little bit that I sat down to prepare for this podcast, There's, we could add many more to this list. With all of this, how in the world do we discern what is true? How in the world can we tell what's real and what isn't, especially when we simply won't be able to believe our eyes. And especially when we know that there are conspiring men and women who are actively working to deceive us. Evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men. Matthew 24, 24 warns us, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall shew great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 
we all at this point can probably think of somebody close to us who has left their faith behind in pursuit of some of these false prophets, right? Somebody who um, has chosen to trust their own interpretation of the facts over what a prophet is saying, who has chosen to set themselves up as that light or to follow a, a, a different prophet altogether. Maybe it's a political philosophy. Um, the very elect are being deceived. And I, I'm, no, I'm no saint personally. I'm no better than anybody else. So how do I avoid that deception? How, how do I discern what's real and what isn't? How do I keep myself on the straight and narrow? You know, when um, I'm going to borrow pretty heavily from President Russell M. Nelson's talks about truth over the last few years and about discerning truth, you know, he made an incredible point that I never really thought of, but in, in each of the times that God himself has presented and introduced his son, it has come amidst great anxiety, so Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration were terrified by what was happening. And in the midst of that fear, God introduced his son. When um, the Nephites were afraid and were recovering and reeling from the devastation that had happened, and they're around the temple rebuilding, Christ appears and God introduces his son. When Joseph Smith went to find out what God wanted him to do and was overcome with this intense darkness. Satan was coming at him, and he was about ready to abandon himself to despair and to destruction. In each one of these three cases, God introduces his son and says something along the lines of, this is my beloved son, hear him. Christ is the only source that we can really rely on for truth, for all truth. And to answer and clarify each one of the perplexing scenarios that I just outlined. And how do we hear him? How do we hear his voice and make sure that we're we're getting the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help us, God. Number one, and I'm quoting President Nelson here, we can go to the scriptures. Daily immersion in the word of God is crucial for spiritual survival, especially in these days of increasing upheaval. As we feast on the words of Christ daily, the words of Christ will tell us how to respond to difficulties we never thought we would face. This is at the heart of the argument for principles. Principles are timeless, and they are true always and will be true forever. There are principles of truth that are so highly concentrated in revealed scripture that they will guide us to answering these perplexing questions, things that... Um, you know, the, the apostles couldn't have possibly imagined this concept of deep fakes, but the principles that Christ revealed, he could anticipate them, and they will help us. Number two, again, quoting President Nelson, we can also hear him in the temple. And for those who aren't members of the church, these are this is the concept of sacred places and sacred spaces. We can hear him in our sacred spaces. The house of the Lord is a house of learning. There the Lord teaches us in his own way. There each ordinance, and this is speaking more specifically about the temple, each ordinance teaches about the Savior. There we learn how to part the veil and communicate more clearly with heaven. There we learn how to rebuke the adversary and draw upon the Lord's priesthood power 
to strengthen us and those we love. How eager each of us should be to seek refuge there. How eager each of us should be to seek refuge in the holy places that are available to us. And the number three, and this is where I want to spend a little bit more time, is receiving personal revelation. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. So this is Christ speaking about a time after his resurrection when he wouldn't be on the earth physically to be guiding and leading his apostles. He's talking about how he'd spend, he'd send the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth. And he said that he will guide you into all truth. All truth. That is a very high percentage word. You don't get much more than all. President Nelson said, in the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. That is a strong statement. So how will we tell the deep fakes from what's real? How can we know what is true about what the media is telling us? How can we tell who is deceiving us for power and who is actually trying to help us? It's the Holy Ghost. We have got to be so good at discerning and following his promptings that when the Spirit says one thing and our eyes are telling us another, all of our senses are telling us another thing, we trust the Spirit. And it's easy to say that. It's easy to read, you know, um, these scripture stories and hear scripture stories and think that, yeah, we'll do the same thing. But when you really think about it, I mean, Moses was driven up to the Red Sea and there's an army that's just biting at their heels, ready to devour them and to trust that, nope, God led us here. It's going to be fine, guys. (laughs) That would be terrifying. I mean, can you really imagine that? That's the kind of faith we've got to develop that our eyes will be seeing these this devouring army at our doorstep and we trust the the quiet calm promptings of the spirit so much that like Moses we will calmly stand our ground and comfort and strengthen the weakening knees of those around us i'm reminded when president nelson said this of Um, some of my favorite parts, again, of the war chapters of the Book of Mormon. Amalekiah, who was a dissenter from the Nephites, was trying to, he was building political power among the Lamanites through murder and through deceit. We get a story of Moroni, who is the commander-in-chief of the Nephite armies, and what he did to prepare the Nephites. And he was focused very much on, on physical preparation, on building fortifications around all of their cities, including the weakest ones. But he was also working hand in hand with Helaman, the prophet, to strengthen the people spiritually. And it says this, it says, this was their faith that by so doing, God would prosper them in the land. Or in other words, if they were faithful in keeping the commandments of God, that he would prosper them in the land, yea, warn them to flee or to prepare for war according to their danger. And also that God would make it known whither they should go to defend themselves against their enemies, and by so doing, the Lord would deliver them. And this was the faith of Moroni, and his heart did glory in it, not in the shedding of blood, but in doing good, in preserving his people, yea, in keeping the commandments of God, yea, and resisting iniquity. 
for that promise to be true, that promise that we'll be led and guided to know where to go to defend ourselves, and that's true spiritually as well as physically, we have got to be laser-focused on Christ and increasing our ability to receive and recognize that constant guiding influence of the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, one of the really interesting points in American history is World War II, and this was a time when the entire country was galvanized behind a single focus, and that was winning World War II and overthrowing and and stopping this, this Nazi onslaught that was happening in Europe and that was eventually, if it wasn't checked, make its way here. Spiritual wars require no less effort and focus. In fact, it requires more laser focus because our enemy doesn't sleep. It doesn't get hungry. It doesn't have tanks that get bogged down in the mud or impossibly long supply lines during a bitterly cold winter campaign. Our enemy has had, it doesn't deal with any of those weaknesses and has had thousands of years to perfect his poison. You know, last week, the topic, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I recommend going back to it. It was one that I felt very strongly was a message that I needed to hear from myself and that there are others out there that needed to hear it. And it goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today. And it's the idea of not allowing ourselves to waste time on spiritually empty calories, on consuming media or entertainment that does nothing to nourish us and strengthen us spiritually. And this is one of the reasons why that is so important, because we have got to be so good at recognizing the Spirit. And you don't get there with spiritual flabbiness. We have got to be consuming the very best spiritual food, and not just for the courage to stand up and speak out, but because we desperately need the spiritual sensitivity to discern truth when it is going to be nearly impossible to discern it any other way. One other thought about this scripture from the war chapters about being warned to flee, um, being warned where to go to defend themselves. I had an experience um, with my wife and our young son when um, when we were still very young. Um, so our first son, he was a newborn, and he was still at that lovely stage where you can take him to a movie. And you can walk in the movie theater and the noise doesn't wake him up at all. He just sleeps through the whole thing. Well, that was, we went to go see that. We went to go see um, a movie that everyone was raving about. And this was not rated R. It wasn't even, you know, considered a bad movie, but it was very dark feeling. It had a very, very dark feel to it. And I remember sitting in that movie theater. I think I must have recently read this part of the Book of Mormon, because it came back to my mind very forcefully that being in that theater with that darkness surrounding me, that if God needed to get a message through, he would not be able to. And that was terrifying. As a new father, I had this just overwhelming feeling of the, of the responsibility that I had to protect and keep my family, this, my young family safe. And I knew that that I couldn't do that in the way that that I needed to. That if there was a message that God needed to tell me to get out of there or go somewhere else or whatever, I couldn't keep them safe physically. I was thinking, you know, very physically at the time, but the same was true spiritually. If God needed to get a prompting to me about something to do to keep my family safe spiritually, I wasn't going to get it there. 
And again, this was not even something that was quote unquote bad, a bad movie that most would consider bad. In fact, it's probably a lot of our favorite movie. Um, I'll let you ponder about what that might be. You know, we, uh, we also need this kind of leadership, this kind of this moral rectitude in our leaders as well. It's important personally, but it's important in our leaders. And back to Malachi and Moroni, you've got a Malachi who's trying to gain power through deceit, violence, and political maneuvering, whereas Moroni is preparing the people spiritually and physically. And then there's this incredible verse about who Moroni was. If all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. I want you to think of who was on the last ballot at this last election. Do they fit that description? Moroni was the commander-in-chief of the Nephite armies. Who was our last president and commander-in-chief or candidate for president you were confident had a direct line of communication open constantly with heaven? A commander-in-chief so pure and virtuous that revelation flowed continuously and the very powers of hell were shaken. These are the people that we need. These are the people that we need in leadership at every level of government. Forget Team Democrat. Forget Team Republican. We need candidates who are Team God first. The blessings of God on this land are incredible if we are righteous, but the cursings against it, if we aren't, are absolutely terrifying. We can be so much purer than we are individually and as a nation. I had a, uh, a youth leader once that posed the question and, and had us kind of think about the, the, some of our favorite movies and, and, and media that we were consuming and asked, which of those we would feel comfortable watching with Christ? Now, that's a very short list. And ever since then, I've kind of had this idea, you know, you go way back to the very first movie with um, any swearing in it at all, which has gone with the wind, and the the level of cleanliness morally that is depicted in movies prior to that time um, is night and day different from what we have today. Now, but if you look at what you spend your time watching and what I spend my time consuming, there aren't very many <laughs> that I would feel comfortable watching with Christ sitting in the on the couch next to me. You know, we sometimes justify ourselves by saying that, no, I don't, I'm good because at least I'm not watching that, right? And we kind of measure ourselves. If you picture this graph of the standards of the world, we kind of measure our own righteousness based on how far above that line we are. But guess what? If we're following that line and using that as our reference point, that line is continuously going down. And even though we might be above that line considerably, if we're even paying attention to it, and using that as our anchor point, we're still going down. Our, our standards are still falling. And they shouldn't be. They shouldn't have ever moved. It's not enough just to spend our time on things that aren't bad, that aren't outright evil. Paul's admonition was that if there's anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after those things. The things that we should be seeking after should not just be not bad, but they should be actively positive and good. How much heavenly communication are we blocking from our lives simply because we fill our things that we justify as good on the sole basis that they're not as bad as they could be? 
I feel more and more as time goes on how vitally important it is that we are right with God. And we've got to be so good that our line of communication is constantly open with him. And we need to promote leaders who can do the same thing or we're toast. Now, we all have at least one thing that is inhibiting our, our kind of blocking our spiritual signals. Let's pick one of them and get it out of our lives. And then let's rinse and repeat until we are so good at hearing and heeding Christ that no power on earth or hell can stop us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at abideinliberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting libertyyouthacademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.